I'm in love with America's Christians. Uh, t- to be perfectly uh, uh, open about you. it, <laughs> <laughs> not all, but uh, but more. at least I'm those around touched. this table. It is mutual. <laughs> Thank you. It, it is a very beautiful thing in my life. But uh, uh, technically speaking, one would say that Christians are bound to nine commandments. Well, well, because of the, because of the Sabbath. Well, no, but no. Dennis, the Sabbath, it, the Sunday. Well, that's, on, that's, the, that's the resurrection day. Well, no, it's a new creation. So the creation element is there. And the idea of the, the, the basic principle of the Sabbath, that, it, that it, it recognizes that moment in the week, that moment in the seven-day cycle of God resting at the end of creation, the culmination of creation. It's shifted to Sunday because Christ is seen as the new creation. Right, so fine. Are you, uh, it's okay, are you bound, is a Christian bound to Sunday? Well, I would say yes. it depends on... Yeah. I would say, yeah. Oh, that's very good. Very good indeed. Okay, it's 8 o'clock and we've got TNT Radio News. And after 8 o'clock, why not stick around and, um, why not stick around and listen to Steve Hook at tntradio.live. He's on now, hopefully he'll be on right after 8 o'clock news. I'll be back with the weather. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Israel's cabinet approved a Qatari-brokered ceasefire and hostage release deal with the Hamas terrorist group early Wednesday morning. The deal will see at least 50 of the 240 hostages, exclusively women and children, released over four days, during which there will be a lull in fighting. The Israeli government said that an additional day of respite will be added for every 10 hostages released. Hamas and U.S. officials said the deal includes the release of 150 Palestinian detainees from Israeli prisons, who are also women and children. Additionally, the deal stipulates that the four-day pause in fighting will allow for an increase in humanitarian aid to Gaza. The deal was a result of weeks of extensive negotiations involving the United States, Qatar, Egypt, Hamas, and Israel, according to the White House. An increasing number of Australians have delayed or skipped doctor visits in the past year due to high living costs and rising appointment prices. According to the latest data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the percentage of Australians who postponed or skipped GP appointments because of high prices doubled from 3.5 to 7% in the 2022-23 financial year. In 2022 and 23, data showed that 10.5% of people said cost was the reason for putting off or not seeing a medical specialist when needed, up from 8% in 2021-22. Among the age groups, people aged 25 to 34 years were more likely to delay or skip health services than those aged 85 years and above. Similarly, females, people with a long-term health condition, and those living in socioeconomic disadvantaged areas reported higher chances of giving up mental services due to cost-of-living issues. Australia's business leaders have achieved victory with a Fair Work Commission case decision that will essentially rule out a permanent work-from-home option for many employees across the country. The Fair Work Commission case involved a man named Charles Gregory who was working for Maxia, a salary packaging company in Adelaide. He petitioned to work from home 100% of the time so he could care for his young child. On November 16th, the Fair Work Commission declared that Maxia had every right to deny Mr. Gregory's request and never return to his office regularly. Commissioner Christopher Platt said it was reasonable for the company to expect Mr. Gregory's presence at the office for at least 40% of the time that he was not caring for his child. This decision creates a precedent and deters other staff from launching similar cases. Two prisons have been ordered to remove the so-called Pride Progress flag following a complaint from an MP who said the flag promotes the idea you can be born in the wrong body. Justice Secretary Alex Chalk said the incorrectly flown flags have been taken down from HMP Pentonville and HMP Wandsworth. 
President Joe Biden recently published an op-ed in the Washington Post making only two substantial points about what the U.S. and its allies must do. Continue waging a proxy war against Russia and Ukraine and continue backing Israel in its war against Hamas. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. Now, this is a very strange op-ed in the Washington Post by Joe Biden, supposedly penned by Joe Biden. But did Biden really write this op-ed? Can Joe Biden put together a 2,000-word op-ed? Could he actually write something like this? No, not really. This was written by his staff or his handlers or his chief of staff. So what is it saying? What's the messaging for? What are they signaling? What they're saying here is basically what George W. Bush said when the Iraq war began to be unpopular popular in the United States. The messaging from Washington was stay the course. We need to stay the course and defeat Al-Qaeda. First it was to find Saddam and then when they found Saddam it was to defeat Al-Qaeda. When they finally supposedly defeated Al-Qaeda it was then stretched on to defeat ISIS and so forth. So you get the forever war. That's what Joe Biden's doing here. He's become a neocon or at least his administration is and it's a dead end. They want to fight a three-front war. How insane is this? And they want to escalate against Iran on behalf of Israel. Mm. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick. That's very good. Very good report of you. And uh, you've got a wonderful way with words. It's four minutes past eight. You'll see this tendency for women to, and I hear older women talk about this too. I just want to do something for myself. And it's funny because when men do selfless things, they're a lot less narcissistic with it. And they don't look at it as a burden. They look at it as a duty. Where when women tend to do things like for the family, they look at it as a detriment. They hold resentment to the people that hold back their decision. And so we bid farewell to Goldie the goldfish as she journeys to that big pond in the sky. Amen. What? Goldie's still there. She didn't flush. Because Dad didn't purchase a genuine super flush toilet from A1 Alliance West Plumbing, this little pet funeral is going to take a long time. All right. We therefore commend our Goldie once again to the appropriate uh, place. Still there, Dad. The super flush toilet from A1 Alliance West Plumbing is the one water saver toilet that really flushes the first time. So you'll save water and embarrassment. And so, Goldie, we bid thee farewell. Still there. Goodbye, Goldie. Maybe she's still alive. Don't settle for some cheap foreign-made brand. Insist on an American-made super flush toilet, the best flushing toilet in America. Call 972-422-2677. Okay, when I flush, everybody blow. Blow! All America's service team, A1 Alliance West Plumbing. You'll find us fast in the Southwestern Bell Yellow Pages. Or call 972-422-2677. Oh, that's good. Uh, good, 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 uh, good, mo- good afternoon, if you've just joined. <laughs> good, good, morning. good afternoon for some of you listening. I know that. And good evening as well. It's uh, five, six minutes past uh, eight o'clock at the moment and um, that's it for me. I'm going to just have a look at the weather and see what's going on there with weather right across the country but I want to get back to that story with that woman, that horrible cow that murdered her father because it's quite interesting uh, actually. Josh Turner, I've got him coming up after um, after eight as well and then that's it for me. So uh, let's just look now at uh, the weather forecast and then I want to get back to that story with um, this fat woman that's on trial. She's been found guilty. Her name is Lynn Marie. They always say all they give you all the names, don't they? Lynn Marie Martin. That's her name. 
and uh, so she's a murderess, and uh, so she's not going to be hung by the neck or, or shot shot at dawn. She's just going to be locked up in jail, and she'll be up there, all the psychological stuff. She'll be out in five, probably. Uh, women, they let them out. Maoris and women, they let them out. Uh, now, we're looking at temperatures. The highest temperature is in the South Island, meth, 18.5 degrees, a nugget point 11, 11.5. That's the coldest in the country, which is absolute rubbish, because right here it says Stewart Island's on 9 degrees, and I was noticing that for the last hour, that Stewart Island is the coldest, but here we are at Met Service. I don't know what they do there, fiddling around, just mucking around. So many people, there are too many cooks in the kitchen, I would think. Uh, far too many chiefs, chiefs, chiefs there. <laughs> Uh, Milford Sound's the wettest, 4.4 millimetres of rain is uh, pouring down there at the moment, and Vicargill's the windiest, 37 kilometres per hour there, and it's double digits all the way up. In fact, it's pretty much, you know, really 15, 14, 15. I, I think the average temperature right across the whole country, except for Stewart Island, is going to be, I would say the average is about 14.5 degrees, 14.6, 3, 2, 1, that would be it. Mm. Let's move over to theweatherwatch.co.nz with our good friend Duncan. Is that his name, Duncan? What's his proper name? It's Duncan somebody, or it could be somebody Duncan. I'm not sure. Anyway, let's look at the um, let's look at the situation. First of all, we've got a cold front. It's going to be pushing north over the South Island today, bringing rain and warm weather before the change moves in on Friday. It's going to be a bit nippy. It's going to get cold, and uh, you might even have some snow flurries. And what else are you going to have? Some beefy showers down in Southland. Mainly settled in the North Island with a few isolated showers this afternoon for Northland and the Bay of Plenty. And some may become heavy as well. For the forecast for Northland, Auckland, Waikato, the Bay of Plenty. Morning cloud breaks to sun. Isolated showers developing in the afternoon for Northland and the Bay of Plenty. Showers for Bay of Plenty may become heavy in the ranges with thunder and then clearing later on. Winds from the west to southwesterly quarter tending northerly in the afternoon from the east in areas. West to southwest winds pushing through. Uh, that's from the east in the evening. Uh, temperatures today ranging between 21 and 23 degrees for you chaps. Uh, moving further south for the western North Island, including the central North Island as well. Morning cloud, then sun with high cloud. Northwesterly winds, showers overnight or perhaps around dawn overnight Thursday, that is, and then round about dawn on Friday. And you're going to have a southerly change. Your temperatures today, Thursday, 19 to 22 degrees. For the eastern North Island, morning cloud, drizzle for Gisborne. Cloud breaks by midday and then expect sun and high cloud. North to northeasterly winds for you. Overnight rain in the Wairarapa with southerly winds. A high today of 22, possibly 24, somewhere in that range. For Wellington, a partly cloudy with breezy northerlies overnight and then southerlies they'll bring rain, 19 to 22 degrees. In the South Island for Marlborough and Nelson it's going to be boiling hot, 23 to possibly even as high as 28 degrees today. Mostly sunny with some high cloud, northerlies tending west in the afternoon, overnight southerlies bring rain for Marlborough. For Canterbury, mostly sunny and warm with some high cloud, rain pushing late north afternoon into evening, rain pushes north late afternoon into evening as northwesterlies change to southerly and another very warm day today, 23 to 28 degrees. For the west coast, mostly cloudy with some heavy rain in Fjord and it spreads north in the afternoon, clearing from the south in the evening. Northwesterly winds change to southwesterly in the afternoon, reaching Buller in the evening, 16 to 22 degrees. And finally for the Southland area and also Otago, dry at first and then expect showers. Rain moves in around midday for north as northwesterlies they change to gusty west uh, to southwesterly winds. Rain eases to showers in the afternoon today, uh, perhaps clearing for a time, and then beefy showers 
beefy showers. Uh, they move in late evening. Wonderful way with words. I love it, really. Beefy showers coming in there uh, in the Southland area overnight. And then perhaps there's going to be a chance of hail. Uh, and that could be a few snow flurries. Uh, flurries of snow overnight down to 600 metres. 14 to 23 degrees for you. And I want to get back to that story about that bitch that murdered her father and by burning the house down. Unbelievable. I just can't believe the level of, of um, absolute... Just evil, pure evil. Um, so we'll we'll cover that. We'll just I just want to finish off on that, and then uh, just find the turntable. I just want to play you something. Uh, where are we? Turntable? Where are you? Oh, there you are. Okay, this is Senator Ron Johnson. Have a listen to this. This is very good. It's only a minute. Have a listen. It's um, twelve minutes past, and then I'll come back and just finish off that story about the woman in, that's been found guilty in Gisborne of murdering her old man. I mean, it's it's just extraordinary to me that uh, you know the government was working with social media to amplify lies and suppress truth, and has been doing so repeatedly. Why couldn't the American people know that you know there were other alternatives to treat? COVID. Why can't the American people know that there were side effects with the vaccine? This is all pre-planned by an elite group of people. That's what I'm talking about. Event 201 that occurred in late 2019 prior to the rest of us knowing about this pandemic. Again, yeah. yeah. This is very concerning in terms of what has happened, what is happening, uh, what continues to be planned for our loss of freedom. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it needs to be exposed, but unfortunately, there, there are very few people, even in Congress, that are willing to take a look at this. Uh, they, they all push the vaccine. Uh, they don't want to, you know, be, be made aware of the fact that the vaccines might have caused injuries, might have caused death. Uh, you know, so, so many people just simply don't want to admit they were wrong, and they're going to do everything right. they can to make sure that they're not proven wrong. We're, well, we're up against people, a very powerful group of people here, Maria. I'll say that Senator Ron Johnson isn't he the Speaker of the House now? He's brilliant, isn't he? Gosh, you know, it doesn't pull him and Rami. Um, uh, what's his name? Rami Ramaswamy. <laughs> no, what's his name? Remy. Oh gosh, no, that's the dog's name. Um, Ramaswamy. I like him. He's an Indian. He's a, he's not a Sikh. Um, what is he? He's a Hindu, but he's very good. Oh, I think he'll end up being president. You mark my words. He'll be president. Probably not. Probably soon. I don't think Trump will make Trump will make another run after this one. I mean, he is pushing eighty, but still he's. He's almost as young as um, uh, Biden, isn't he? He's getting younger, Biden, according to the White House. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the story with this rotten cow that killed her old man. Uh, just got to find my way around. I thank goodness for Alt Tab, eh? What would I do without Alt Tab? You'd be you'd be stuffed. There's no way you'd be able to do this job. You'd have to have like two computers up. <laughs> you'd have, have four computers across your screen if no one had invented the Alt Tab. So I'm very pleased about that. So we, I didn't even get very far with news. Like I didn't get, I didn't get, we haven't even looked at News Hub. We haven't looked at um, uh, stuff.co.nz. We haven't looked at Sky News. We haven't looked at the Jerusalem Post. We haven't looked at Israel National News. Uh, I didn't look at the IDF to see what uh, sort of what's going out there. Oh, the last thing we had was sirens that just, just come out now. Sirens sounding in the area around Gaza. Uh, soldiers of the Gavati Brigade conducted an operational activity uh, at the Hamas headquarters in the neighbourhood where the organisation's senior operatives operate. And they've got a video there. Look, there's all these tunnels. Tunnels everywhere. They're like rats, aren't they? Like little gophers. Then there, you know, Israel and America give them all this money. And all they do is build tunnels so they can go in and kill Jews. Uh, Reuters, too, we didn't even get a chance to look at them. There's nothing really 
Very exciting there. What have we got? Poland's on track to get a $5.1 billion EU green transitional fund. All this rubbish. They're just wasting taxpayers' money on so-called climate change. Climate's changed all the time. It's got nothing to do with us. It's just the fact that we're here while the climate's changing. That's the only, the only sort of correlation. Uh, Germany, Scholz, Italy's Maloney. They make for an unlike, unlikely partners at the summit a German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and Prime Minister from Italy. Her name is Giorgia Meloni. She's a beautiful. I like that one. What do you call, um, what is the Italian word for uh, f- uh, uh, fog? Does anyone know? The Italian word for fog. A big mist. <laughs> a European share gain on the real estate boost. The UK's stage, a uh, sage, rather, sage, hits record high. Sage. What is that? Is that that, like... Uh, that that you put in your cooking, sage. No. Anyway, what are they? Oil. Oil prices steady uh, at as pre-Thanksgiving. We read about Thanksgiving, didn't we? Uh, a pre-Thanksgiving trade ahead of the OPEC plus cuts. Oh, I don't understand any of it. The the uh, the oil prices they have stayed within a narrow range on Wednesday in quiet pre-US uh, Thanksgiving holiday trading as the market awaits news on the outputs, output cuts from the OPEC Plus producers group. OPEC Plus must be some special group. And uh, that looked to confirm, uh, and looked to confirm a confirmation, rather, of a sharp build-up in US crude oil stocks. And Pakistan's top court accepts Imran Khan's plead for bail. Uh, so the Pakistani Supreme Court yesterday, uh, they accepted the bail application for detained former Prime Minister Imran Khan. They're locking him up, eh? He seems like a good bloke, actually, old Imran. Is he a Muslim? I suppose he is, isn't he? Uh, His lawyer said the day after another court declared illegal his trial on charges of leaking state secrets. Yeah, they want to shut him up. They don't want him to run again. Old Imran, he's a cricketer too, isn't he? It's just not cricket what's going on at the moment with him, though, isn't it? Now, um, we'll just leave it there. That's Reuters, so you got the best of Reuters. Now, let's go back. Did I tell you about what happened on this day with the flu and all that? Did I? I can't remember. I thought. I'm sure I did. Yeah, the flu. And you want to go over to Dr. Sam Bailey because she's got other... She thinks it's nonsense. They did some research. They looked at the data, her and her husband. They're very clever. And others as well. And they found that really it was probably only around under 20 million people died in that. Some say as low as 14 million. But here, of course, the the pharmaceutical industry are pushing it up, saying, oh, you've got to get vaccinated. Got to get your jab for the flu. Got to get your vaccines. So they're pushing vaccines. So they're trying to make the, the numbers go up. They did that during the COVID pandemic, didn't they? Anyway, I want to go back to that story with Erin. Uh, no, Lynn Marie, that's the murderer, the one that murdered her father in Gisborne. The courts found it took two and a half hours to deliberations yesterday, and she's been found guilty. She'll be let off with a slap over the hand. Apparently, they heard that, this is what we were talking about before the news at eight, uh, that in 2010, Martin was ordered by a court to pay someone $11,298.90. And they were told that it was ordered after a judge convicted her of a low-down deceit deliberate and premeditated mm, offending that involved her stealing from an 82-year-old Alzheimer's sufferer in a rest home. You rotten bit. See what I mean? You know, I reckon you just, anyone that does anything like that, just lock them up. <laughs> just lock them up. Lock them up for life. They need to be watched, I think, people like that. Because Leopard never changed their spots, do they? I mean, look at me. <laughs> Serial, serial monogamous, going from one 
wife to the next. And then I read in the Bible, you don't have to divorce them. You can just keep them and, and bring it, get another one. And it's only the bishops and the deacons that aren't allowed to do that. They're only allowed to be the husbands of one wife. But I could have, I could have kept them all, and that would have been great. And then I wouldn't have been, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, the last one did leave me, but I left all the others. Terrible. Just a shocking human being I am. Just uh, absolutely terrible. And you just, you just keep doing the same old stuff, really, because you're always looking for something better, aren't you? A younger model. But the, one, the first one, like I said, the one that was married to the drug dealer, I mean, she was probably the best of the lot, really. Oh, there was a hooker. She was good. She was good. I think I lasted three weeks with her. She was not bad. Yeah, she was good. Yeah, I'm not sure. They were all good. I wish I could keep them all, actually, but it's sort of not acceptable, is it? But, you know, the Bible says it is. You're allowed to. Look, I mean, look how many King David had. What? And, and God gave David all of Saul's wives as a gift. So don't tell me that God just allowed it. <laughs> I mean, he's actually giving presents. Here, have these wives. <laughs> <laughs> and old Solomon, they always run down Solomon, don't they? They always run him down. But he's the wisest man in the world. He's a very good peacemaker. He's a bit like Donald Trump, but richer. And um, he was the richest in the world. And he sent out a thousand ships at a time. And he had this alliance with a, a Syrian king, uh, Hiram or Hiram. I don't know. I can't remember the name. Some Syrian. And uh, they would. I think he married. I think the Syrian king gave him one of gave Saul, uh, Solomon one of his daughters to marry, and that sort of bonded things together. But he was peaceful. All the Arabs, they loved him. You know, Queen Candace, she thought he was marvellous. The um, Was it not King, not Queen Candace? No, some, someone. And they said, oh, we, I had to come and see just how wonderful you were. Who was that now? One of the, Some wealthy queen came to see him. Might have had an affair with him. Probably end up marrying him. But anyway, he was allowed the hundreds of why He had concubines as well. I mean, what are concubines? What are they for? I suppose just for pleasure, I suppose. You don't marry them. They're just there for pleasure. So I don't know if David had concubines. And you know what? There's a verse in First Kings. I think it's chapter 15, verse 50-something. I'm sure it is. And it says, David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord all the days of his life. Except for the matter of Uriah the Hittite. <laughs> he, 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 saw this, he saw this guy's wife bathing on top of the roof while he was at home he should have been fighting the philistines philistines and he wasn't he was at home shagging about at, literally and he noticed bathsheba having a bath bath bathsheba <laughs> and there she was she knew he was up there looking at her yeah of course she did but anyway he was bathing nude and King David saw it and thought, whew. So he, um, he said to one of his people, hey, get, see that wench down there? Bring her up, bring her up to my, my room, my boudoir, my chambers. And, uh, and uh, so they did. And she came up, she got up the daft, didn't she? But she was Uriah the Hittite's wife. And Uriah was like one of his main men in the army. He was like one of the bravest warriors you could ever, I think he was an officer. I mean, he was really something in David's army. A very loyal, and he only had one wife. David had like seven hundred, and goodness knows how many concubines we had. He had, and as I said, concubines. What are they? Just for purely for pleasure, I suppose. You don't marry them. You just they're just there to shag, I suppose. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't write the Bible. Hey, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you what it says. I mean, well, you Christians, hey, we think we think we've got we've come from some wild, wonderful history, but oh, there's genocide and all sorts in the Bible. Don't worry about that. I mean, far out. But anyway, so he brought her up to the bed bedroom and got her up the duff and then she found out well she found out she's pregnant she said oh David yeah 
They said, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, I had, my, I had my PCR test and my rat test, and it's um, positive. I think we're expecting a child. I haven't been in for a scan, so I'm not sure whether it's a boy or a girl, but it's probably going to be a boy. Turns out it was a boy. It was King Solomon. Actually, it wasn't King Solomon. <laughs> it was another one. And God took that child because of that terrible sin. But anyway, I've jumped ahead a bit. So what did King David do when he found out that Bathsheba was up the duff? Well, he tried to sort of make out that it was that it was Uriah, because that was his wife. He took someone else's wife, which is adultery. And you do not take other people's wives. You can take you can't even take the you can't take the husbands either. You can only take a woman who's not been married before. But you can have lots of them. And I wonder whether, you know, you can, you can only take a virgin because if they've been with someone else as good as married them. That's what marriage is. It's the consummation. The ceremony is not a marriage. That's just a ceremony. So anyway, so what did he do? He thought, he said to, he, he said, go, go and get Uriah, bring him up here. And Uriah came up. Yes. He said, I want you to go back to your wife because he knew that she was pregnant. I want you to go back to your wife. I think he might have even called him off the battlefield. I can't remember. It's been such a while since I read Kings and all the others. But anyway, called him off the battlefield. I think he did. And he said to him, look, I want you to go with your wife. Now, they're not allowed to go with their wives before they, when they're in battle. And, you know, David really had backslidden badly. It was about the only time he ever did. He always did what, that which was right in the eyes of the Lord until this situation. But anyway, he said, go to your wife. Anyway, he didn't. Guess what he did? He slept at the foot of King David's bed. Uh, not bed. <laughs> he slept at the foot of King David's door all night. He didn't go home to his wife. And the next day, I think he went off into battle. But anyway, so David got, well, oh, no, what are you doing here? Get home. I told you get home to your wife because, you know, you've got to go home and shag her so that I don't get the blame for it. That was the idea of it. So that failed. So I thought, oh, what am I going to do now? So you know what he, t- you know what he decided to do? He decided to have him killed. This is King David, the apple of the Lord's eye. Just goes to show it's easy to fall, isn't it? Fall from grace. Any of us can. But by the grace of God go I. So he said to some other commanders, and I don't know what they must have been thinking. They should say, you know, the king, you can't do this, but he's the Lord's anointed. He can, he can get away with murder, which he did. He said, take David into the thick of the battle, fighting against the Philistines, into a very, you know, really heavy, heavy battle, arrows going everywhere and lots of Philistines, you know, giants as well, probably. And then what I want you to do is I want you to pull back from him and leave him there. And then he'll be killed by the enemy. So you might say that King David took a hit out on Uriah the Hittite. And he was his most famous, well, one of his most loyal supporters. I mean, you've got to read the, those stories. Samuel 1 and 2, Kings, they are unbelievably exciting to read those stories about the battles and, and just the way things were handled in those days. Real men, you know, and some of the descriptions of some of these mighty men, these Israeli mighty men, I mean, they, they, apparently they, they, their faces were so fierce-looking. They kind of looked like lion-looking, like this is what it says. One of them in particular, his name escapes me. I mean, they, they were big boys and very powerful, just born to fight. Anyway, so David had this guy killed. And then Samuel, I think it was Samuel, he came to David and he said, there's a man, I want to tell you a story about this man. I'm not, not very happy about this chap. The king says, yeah, come in, David, sit down, tea, coffee or Milo. And he said, tell me about what, what's happened. He said, well, there's a, there's a man who was very rich, very rich man. And he also had a servant who was um, 
very poor. Now, the man had many, many sheep, thousands of sheep, thousands of cattle, very rich. And a traveler came from, from out of town. And uh, he was going to stay the night. And the, the very rich man, he decided for some unknown reason to take one of his servants, only lamb, little lamb that he, you know, just sort of cuddled and loved that lamb. And he took that lamb and he took it and he killed it and he prepared it and he served that to his friend that was coming, this other wealthy guy with gout uh, from another foreign land. And they sat there and they ate this man's lamb, the only lamb that he had. And But he had all these other lambs that he could have had any one of them at any time he wanted. And Samuel said this was the story and, uh, and he said, Oh, King, what should we do with this man? And, and King David said to him, That man must die. I think he might have thought it was a true story. I don't know. I can't remember whether it was just a... I think it was a, It was told to him as though it was a true story, which it was, wasn't it? And King said, that man should die. And, Sam, and Samuel turned to him and said, that man is you, O King. And he was telling him basically that you've taken Uriah the Hittite's only wife, who he was madly in love with, you took her and you committed adultery with her and shame on you. That man is you and you should die for what you've done, which she should have done. Should have been taken outside and stoned. That's what they did in those days. Both of them were stoned to death. That, that was the law. But because he was the Lord's anointed, that couldn't be done. And so he got away with murder, didn't he? Not only did he commit adultery and take the man's wife of him, but he committed murder. He had him killed. And Samuel knew about it because God had told him, go and tell him this. And then David came to his senses, but it was too late. The damage was done. But he wept and mourned and prayed to God not to take the Holy Spirit away from him. That's what he said because he was a prophet. David was a prophet as well. Don't take your spirit away from me. And uh, which makes you think, gosh... Maybe we could lose our salvation. Makes you think that, you know, some of these people that say once saved, always saved, you know, people like me. Maybe you can, maybe we can. Maybe that's where the term fall from grace comes from. Maybe you can lose your salvation. David cried, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's what it says anyway in the King James Bible. And um, and this is where where he says, this, this interesting passage where he says, I was shapen in iniquity. And from, I was shapen in iniquity, and from birth, oh, I don't know, I'd have to read it. Mm, I'll see if I can find it for you. Can you mind waiting? You do? You don't? I was shapen, I was shapen in iniquity. Let's see if I can find it, KJV. See if I can find the verse and I'll read it so that I get it right because I can't remember what it was. It was Psalms 51 verses 5 and 6. There we are. This is David. He's praying and asking for uh, God to forgive him, for him not to take away the Holy Spirit. And he says here in verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. This is David, but it's that first one there that you find in uh, Psalms chapter 51, verse 5. 
Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, David said, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, if you go over to a uh, different version, and this is why people believe that babies, this is why funny Christians that have a, don't have a proper Bible, they're reading from a corrupt Alexandrian text, they believe that babies are born evil, that we inherit sin. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says we inherit death because of sin. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that we inherit sin, but people like to do that. They, they use that as an excuse for sin. Oh, I'm born evil. <laughs> That's what um, Augustine did. He came up with that first. Augustine corrupted the church, really. And people like John Calvin, they read a lot of Augustine. Augustinian, he was um, terrible. He couldn't control himself, couldn't keep his old fella in his pants, couldn't keep his zipper up. Well, probably buttons in those days, wouldn't it? Or, you know, or laces, probably. <laughs> couldn't keep it laced up. And he liked shagging women, but he still believed in Jesus Christ, apparently. But he couldn't stop it. And he, and so he was, he was trained, and Augustine sort of trained with the Gnostics back in Alexandria, Egypt. And so he was sort of like swayed by that. But he, he believed in Jesus, but he, he just thought, why is it I believe in him, but I still just can't, can't stop shagging women? And so, you know, I've got a problem, haven't I? But I do believe, so obviously I'm born evil. So he came up with the idea, invented this idea that um, we must, all men must be born evil. And um, who is it that does a really good video on that? It's um, Winky Prattney. He's a New Zealand evangelist and youth pastor and youth teacher. I think he's passed away now. I think so. Anyway, he was brilliant. But at my church, who believed, you know, once saved, always saved, can't lose your salvation, we were told not to, not to go and listen to Winky Prattney because he was a heretic. But I don't think he was a heretic. I think he was one of the best Bible teachers New Zealand's ever produced. Winky Prattney, look him up. And he also became very good friends with Jesse Morrell, who's a very good street preacher over in the United States. And Jesse Morrell has also done a video called Did Augustine Corrupt the Church? And so it really all hinges on this one verse. Can you believe it? They've made a doctrine. Remember, they all go, well, you can't make a doctrine out of one verse, Grant. But that's what they did. Here, they took a corrupt Bible version. They took the corrupt versions. Now, let me pick one for you. Uh, let me say, let's go to the NIV, the New International Version. Let's see what that says. Here we go. I've got a bit of a croaky throat this morning. Uh, anyway, so I'll just, just refresh your memory with um, the King James Version. It says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So the subject matter... On that last part of that sentence, the subject was his mother. In sin did my mother conceive me. It wasn't David. But look what the, the New International Version has done with that. Let me see if I can re... Oh, no, it doesn't want to go to the New International. Hang on. New International. Where are you? New International. Oh, gosh, it's difficult to... F won't let me. Come on now. I'm in the middle of a story. I've got the Living Bible. That's probably corrupt. Oh, they're all corrupt. All of them are corrupt. They all come from... The United Bible Society's Greek text, which comes from West Cotton Hort's trash. And that all comes from Alexandria, Egypt, all those variations, all the variant readings. I'm just trying to oh, look, there's even the Douay Bible in there. I wonder what that says. Uh, anyway, so New International, I'll just go down there. New, New American Standard, where's that gone? New International, disappeared. New International uh, Version, there we are. Let's see if, oh, there we are. There, I'll do a search on that. Okay. So here, here we are. So we're over at the New International, that same verse. Psalms, if you want to know where the Psalms is, you just open your Bible up in the middle and it just falls open at Psalms. And it's chapter 51, verse 5, and it says, Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful 
from the time my mother conceived me. Now you see, that's completely contradictory to what I've just read you before. I'll read it again in the New International, the Nutty Idiots version. It says here, and they all say something similar. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And so that is an Alexandrian type of rendering. It's a Gnostic thought. Gnostics believed all flesh was evil. So even little babies were born evil. Which when non-Christians think of us, they, you know, and we, we believe that rubbish because that's what this book teaches people. The New International Version and other corrupt versions as well. They teach that, that babies are born sinful. There it is there. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sin. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And then we go back to the King James Bible, which comes from a different type of reading. It's underlined by the received text or the eclectic text. or the, There's many names for it, but it's you know the, the majority text. There's all sorts of names for it, but that's the type of reading. And it, that reading doesn't come from Alexandria, Egypt, those universities, those Gnostic ones. It comes from Antioch. And it says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Totally different. There, the sinful person is his mother. Something's happened there with his mother. Something about his conception was sinful. We don't know the details. I don't know the details. Someone, some bright scholar probably does. But there it is. And the nutty idiot's version, the New International Version, says, Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So there you can see why Augustine started teaching that we are sinful from birth. And the church has been corrupted by Augustinian teaching, including John Calvin and all of it. So all of you people that believe that you're born, babies are born sinful, you're wrong, according to the King James Bible, which comes from the Antiochian text. There's only two Bibles. I know there's lots of versions in lots of different languages, probably 250 English translations, all of them corrupt except for one. Except for one. And I've studied it for many years now. When did I get serious? Probably 1999 is when I got serious about the Bible issue. My eyes were open. I thought, fire out. This is unbelievable. I remember waking up one of my wives. <laughs> I said, look, honey, you won't believe this. There's mistakes in the Bible. They've taken verses out. Come and watch this at two o'clock in the morning. I just couldn't believe it. I was fanatical. I just couldn't believe that that, that, that had happened. And, I, and then when I shared it with other people, they, <laughs> they didn't have the same enthusiasm, from, really. And you know why? Because they didn't want to lose their friends in the church, because that's what it meant. It meant making a stand against all of the pastors that have been taught from just taught from corrupt Bible versions. None of them were really taught about the issue of the Bible, about the different types of text. They were all just taught the original Greek says, and yet no one's ever seen the original Greek. And they were actually reading, and they called the original Greek was actually not original law. It was, it was all from a, a not the, because they keep changing it, a United Bible Society's Greek text. And that came from Westcott and Hort, basically. There was Nestles and, um, and some of the others. Um, what was it? A-Land or something. Uh, Nestles and some of the other um, corrupt people. But really it was West Cotton Hort, a couple of Roman Catholic plants in the Anglican Church, that in 1881 they published their West Cotton Hort New Testament. And instead of going to the received text, they went back and took all these corrupt texts, like Beza's D. Beza said, look, here it is. He sent it to Cambridge University. He said, use it for antiquity. For Sure, keep it. But he said, it's, it's corrupt as hell. Don't use it. Just absolutely corrupt. Don't put it in the Bible, whatever you do, because it's corrupt. And what did West Cotton Hort do? They put Beza's D in with all its Gnostic 
teachings and renderings. And that, that's how the devil's got in and changed the Bible. He's changed the, the, the manual, you know, the war manual. He's changed it around because the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil knows that. So here we are. Sola Scriptura, said the, um, the um, Protestants. That's all we need. This, the Bible alone, that's our Pope. So the Roman Catholics, they started, after the Reformation, they started the Counter-Reformation. And they started corrupting the Word of God by bringing in these corrupt Gnostic texts into the, into the Bibles. And that really got that really kicked off in 1881 with the publishing of West Cotton Horts, who I believe were two Roman Catholic plants. Really, could have been Jesuits. Who knows? West Cotton Hort, with their publishing of their New Testament Greek, and that was it. And then everything followed from that. So when you look at a um, a new version and you look at the very beginning, it tells you. It's almost like the devil has to has to tell you, um, has to be truthful about certain things. Uh, it's almost like God's made it a law. You can you can corrupt the Bibles, but you've got to tell people you know where these where all the stuff came from. And it says there, oh, it came from United Bible, a United Bible Society's Greek text. And then you get one of those, and you have a look at that. And where do they get it from? Oh, Ness, Ness, all these other um, corrupt manuscripts, which were never taken seriously, but they were older. Yeah, they were because they were older, right? Because no one used them, so they were still available. All the ones that were used were copies, and they were young, newer copies, because a Bible that's used a lot, that's, that people know that it's right, they have to make copies. It gets worn out. And so that was what was happening. And so, and then you, you read in Ness, you know, Nestles or something, and it says, oh, it comes from Treat, um, what was it now, some uh, Sinaiticus or something like that, found in a trash can in a monastery in the Sinai Desert. Sinaiticus, or Sinaiticus, I used to say Sinaiticus, but it's probably Sinaiticus or something like that. I don't know. But one of those, I think it was Treagle, oh, somebody, can't remember their names. Uh, it was too long ago when I studied all that. But anyway, that came from this corrupt manuscript. And then you look at that, and, and where did that come from? W well, West Cotton Hort, uh, actually. West Cotton Hort uh, were the ones that really, really kicked off the corruptions, really. And I think that was when God took his hand off the United Kingdom, Great Britain, because every ship that went all over the world when Britannia ruled the waves had a King James Bible. Every lectern in the Church of England churches right throughout the whole of the United Kingdom had a King James Bible chained to the to the lectern, and also a Fox's Book of Martyrs, a Fox's Book of Martyrs of all the people that have been slaughtered for being a Christian, and all the the, the Roman Catholic atrocities. They reckon it's something like two hundred million now. Two hundred million people were slaughtered by the Roman Catholic Church over the years I mean it puts Hitler to shame and even Hitler according to a Jesuit priest a former Jesuit priest he's passed away now he's with the Lord Alberto Rivera he was a Spanish Jesuit he became a Bible believing Christian moved to California met a fellow who was a uh, cartoonist called Jack Chick uh, who does comics you know the Chick comics C -H, like chicken C-H-I-C-K-E-N dot com and he wrote the, and he also did these comics he wanted just to be a cartoonist but he ended up, he's a Christian, he devoted, and he devoted his life to doing Christian comics and, and tracks and in multiple languages right throughout the world. Go over to chick.com, look for the comics. There's one called the Alberto series, and that was some, um, there's just long interviews. And, and my friend Derek Pierce, who actually went to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago, 
he was in the in California and he met Jack Chick. He saw the bullet hole that where they tried to kill Jack, and he was at Jack's home having a cup of tea, and uh, probably over for dinner. And who should turn up? Alberto. They probably Jack probably said, "Hey, come on over. I've got this fella from New Zealand here. He seems pretty good." Uh, he's he's over, you know, love to meet you. And he actually did meet Alberto because people were saying that Alberto wasn't real, you know, all that, all the fact checkers. <laughs> but he was real. And uh, my friend Derek said that he found him to be an honest man. That was his impression of him. And Derek was a pretty, pretty sort of a streetwise guy, Derek. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you a story about Derek one day, about where he came from. Um, before he became a Christian, I mean, you you just wouldn't you just you wouldn't even want to you wouldn't want to be in the same room with it, with him before he became a Christian. He was a he was a tough guy. He was probably one of New Zealand's toughest. I mean, he'd carry a knife in his sock. That's as a young teenager. Um, he started off just converting cars. I'll tell you the story later anyway. But it's a it's a wild story. But he became a Christian, wonderfully saved. He was in the New Zealand Navy. Anyway, so he met Jack Chick and he met Alberto. Alberto, um, he actually said the Roman Catholic Church invented Islam. He said that when he went to, uh, to um, Rome, Cardinal Beer, who was the main lecturer, taught the young Jesuits that the Muslim religion was actually invented by the Roman Catholic Church. They wrote the Quran. And they used an agent, an agent of Rome. She was like a secret agent, you know, a spy. Her name was Fatima. And they gave her the writings of the Quran and took it to Muhammad, who was this young guy who was trying to get started. He was a sort of an illiterate merchant, uh, pedophile, uh, Muslim, living in, wasn't a Muslim then, he just is an Arab. He was a descendant of Ishmael. And so the whole idea, well, why would they want to do that? Well, they, they did that for one reason. They wanted to use the wild men, the, that's what the Bible refers to, the, the children, the descendants of Ishmael, the wild men. And there was multiple, he said, I'll make you into a mighty nation. He was one of Abraham's, um, he was Abraham and Sarah's handmaiden's mother, Hagar. And anyway, so he said, oh, so, so Alberto said that they, sent this agent, Fatima, in to seduce old Muhammad and to bring the the um, bring the Quran to him. He couldn't read, you know. <laughs> she probably read it to him. And um the and they you know they say that it was written by written in a cave, but it actually wasn't, it was written in the Vatican. And they took it to him and probably you know, they're very clever, the Catholics, very clever. And why did they do that? Well, Alberto said they did it because they wanted to harness the children of Ishmael, the Arabs, to kill all the Jews and to kill all the Bible-believing Christians. Now, why would they do that? Well, there's a doctrine called supersession. And the Roman Catholic Church invented it back then. When the word Israel is mentioned in the Old Testament, they say that has now been replaced because God, because they killed Jesus and God has scattered them right throughout the world. He's, he's finished with the Jews. And now when the word Israel, when you see that word Israel, it means the church. And Christians today believe this rubbish. And you've got lots of Christians that they think they're, they think they're Christians, they're professed Christians, 
and they are denigrating the Jewish people because the Bible says he's going to restore them. The restoration of Israel is going to bring them back into the land. But the Roman Catholics started off this doctrine of re, uh, that's called um, replacement theology. I, I think it's called supersession, but you can look it up. Look up, look up go to um, Wikipedia. I know they don't always tell the truth, but you can look it up. And it's called replacement theology. And they, they say the Christian church, but they don't, they don't tell you the truth. But Alberto said it was the Catholic church that invented it, replacement the- theology. So when, whenever you see Israel, it actually means the Catholic church now, replacement theology. So they've replaced the Jews with the Catholic church. But of course, silly Christians come along and they, it doesn't say the Catholic church, it just says the church. And so they've now, they've now spiritualized the meaning of the restoration of Israel. In 1948, they're telling another lie that the Vatican's put out, that, um, that it's just evil Jews with Zionism. It's an evil, evil plot. But it's not at all. It's God's fulfilling, restoring the Jews from the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Those are the descendants, and they're coming back. They've been scattered right throughout the land when Titus invaded and sacked Jerusalem in AD 70, just as uh, Jesus said there would be not one stone left unturned on the, in the temple, and that was the truth. That's what happened. There was gold in the temple, and they chipped every stone to get the gold out. Tea's gone cold. And um, so they've been scattered, but they've been brought back in. They've just got to read, uh, just got to read Romans, for goodness sake. Romans 11, read it through there. It talks about Jews. He's, he, Paul said, I am a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin. So he wasn't from Judah. Jesus was from Judah. And so he says, I'm a Jew. And he talks about Israel. And you know, he said, blindness in part has happened unto Israel because they, they don't accept Jesus as their Messiah. So they've been blinded. Even though they read Isaiah 53, it doesn't mean anything to them. They can't see it. Even though they're the most intelligent people, they've got the highest IQ in the world. Just behind, just in, in fact, they're higher than the, the Asians. They've got the highest IQ. And that's all of them, Indians, Pakistanis. Uh, Asian, Chinese, Japanese, they're smarter than us. Us, Because we're, we're the children of Japheth. They're Shemites, all of them. The whole lot. Arabs, Jews, Islanders, Maoris, they're all from Shem. The three sons of Noah. The, one of the sons. So, um, I'm running out of puff. Um, and I've got a tummy ache. I think I need to have some more meatballs. I might cook some more meatballs. Anyway, so what happened after that? Yep, the Roman Catholic Church, they are responsible for the deaths of millions of people. So they, because of this replacement theology, and they could see that, gosh, we've still got Jews, we've got to get rid of them all. Adolf Hitler was carrying out orders from the Vatican to slaughter and annihilate every Jew in Europe. And when Husseini, Yasser Arafat's uncle, Uncle Husseini, or Husseini, or whatever his name, he went over to Germany, and it's on record there in Germany, a meeting that he had with Adolf Hitler, how do we get rid of the Jews? Because he's Arab, didn't like him. Half-brother. So um, the descendants of the Arabs are half Egyptian, half Jew. I said it wrong the other day, but you know what I mean. So that's what Arabs are. They're half Egyptian, half Jew. That was Hagar's son, Ishmael, the father of the Arab nations. They didn't come from Arabia. They went to an area up in Persia there. They went up there and they called it, they renamed it Arabia. So they were called, he was, he's an Arab. He's the first Arab. So, you know, Jews don't come from Judah. They come from all over Israel. That's what Paul said in Romans 11. Then have a look at Ezekiel. Go back and look at Ezekiel. Read all of Ezekiel. And read Ezekiel 36 in particular. 
where it says that God's going to call the Jews back into the land where he scattered them. And the Catholics are saying, oh, that's us. And the, and the funny Christians that don't study the Bible properly, they think that's us. But it was in a Roman Catholic doctrine. And you, you idiots have fallen for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because the Roman Catholic Church is the enemy of the Lord's people. The Antichrist is going to come to power through the Roman Catholic Church before he turns on her and burns her to the ground. Babylonian goddess worship, the mother of all harlots, that's her. She's going to ride that beast, that one that's going to make you, probably a lot of you Christians are going to take the mark of the beast. All the Seventh-day Adventists are going to take it because they don't think the mark of the beast is a mark on the hand to stop you, or in the forehead, in the hand, in the forehead to, to stop you from buying and selling. They're going to take it. I know I know Seventh-day Adventists. They say, oh, I'm happy to have a mark in my hand because it's not the mark of the beast because our prophet, Ellen G. White, who was a plagiarist <laughs> and a false prophet, she says it doesn't mean what it says. It means something else. That's how you know it's a cult because words that are clearly there written in plain English on the pages of the Bible say that he's going to cause you to take a mark in your right hand and in your forehead. If you don't have that mark, no matter whether you're a baby, whether you're a Bill Gates or whoever, if you don't have that mark, you can't buy or sell, save those that have the mark. I'm not taking the mark. I will be executed. If the rapture doesn't happen before the Great Tribulation, I will be beheaded. And I'd rather be absent from my head, <laughs> absent from the body, present with the Lord. Because I'm not taking that mark. Because guess what happens to you when you take the mark? And all the Seventh-day Adventists that are believing this rubbish are going to take the mark because they think it's Sunday worship. It doesn't say that. It says, And he, that's a man, causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, or something like that, grants transliteration, uh, to receive a mark in their right hand. Not on, that's the corrupt Bible version that we were reading about that before, weren't we? that says you're a sinful as a baby, you're born sinful babies, which is rubbish, absolute rubbish. Not if you've got a King James Bible, it's not. You're, not, you're born perfect. That's why Jesus said to the children, suffer little children to come unto me, for theirs is, present tense, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it's not until they get older, much older, not just nine or ten, I believe twenty, that God, is, God makes allowances for them, for their stupidity. And because there's Bible verses that says that, that all those children of Israel were the ones that weren't they were allowed into, even the ones that were lacked in faith, the young ones under 20 were allowed to go into the promised land. But all the ones over 20, I think it was 20 or 20 or 21, they weren't allowed. And so I believe God gives young people an opportunity to be saved. And that is just marvellous, isn't it? It just makes so much more sense than a, a little child, you know, of 10 going to hell, you know, the age of understanding. I think it's 21. I think, you know, young people are stupid. We are, we are absolutely crazy. We're just nuts. The Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. Oh, and other Christians come along with their fake Bible versions. Oh, that doesn't mean smacking them. <laughs> that doesn't mean a rod, a physical, a literal rod. Yes, it does, love. It means whip their ass when they're naughty. It says in another verse, it says, beat them. You won't hurt them. You won't kill them. You'll save their souls from hell. You certainly will. You've got to discipline your children, and sometimes you've got to beat them with a rod. You've got to do a biblical beating. <laughs> I did with my kids and they turned out all right. <laughs> all of them are living 
you know, 23 and 25. Not all of them, just the two of them. Not very good at breeding, I wasn't. Um, 22 and 25, they are living independently, self-supporting themselves. Um, even though one still is a student, uh, they've got their own place on their own and um, good jobs. And I'm, I feel very pleased, very happy with myself, actually. <laughs> Better watch out. Pride comes before a fall. So I'm, uh, you know, they, they, I don't think they got into drugs. Maybe they did. Not like their old man. And my son, he's, I'm very proud of him. And my daughter, I'm, I'm proud of them both. They've done so well. But boy, they got some beatings. I'll tell you what, they got some whippings. You know, did we, yeah, we left a few welts on them. Too right. And all the ones that didn't, I mean, my daughter, she had to, she, we had to smack her more than the, my son, actually. He seemed to, to, to know. He, he got a bit, a bit, um, a bit lippy as he got older, got a bit out of hand. But it's, uh, yeah, anyway, but he's come right. He's very good. I'm very proud of him. Very proud. Very humble. <laughs> I, I, I'm a humble man, but I, and I'm proud of it. But anyway, so I'm very happy with both of them, the way they've panned out. So let's just hope it continues to be that way and they don't get into drugs or anything. I mean, I scared the living daylights out of them about drugs and stuff like that and having sex before marriage and all the diseases you can get. <laughs> don't be like mum and I. Oh, yeah, because we trained in homeopathy and that's most of the myisms you get, you pick up sexually transmitted. And also the two biggest, I know you people might laugh at me. I, know, I can see, I know, I know you're laughing, but you'll laugh on the other side of your face when you end up getting arthritic. That's caused through the psychotic myism. That's because either your father or your grandfather or your great-grandfather. The Bible says, you won't make a liar out of the Bible. It says the sins of the father are handed to the third and the fourth generation. So you pick up tertiary stage psychotic disease, which is basically gonorrhea. You pick it up, you inherit it. And then you get it given to you courtesy of the government through the vaccines. And then you get it yourself. I mean, we're all just riddled with psychotic, riddled with gonorrhea, all of us. Syphilis, ulcers in our mouths, that's, that's silhouetic, syphilis. What else have we got? Warts hanging off us, that's just syphilis. Uh, gonorrhea, that's all that is. Tertiary stage, the fig wart, the red polka dots, you know, that you see the people on their chest, they've got a red polka dot, that's, gonor- that's a, a form of, that's a tertiary stage of gonorrhea. Someone hasn't been faithful. Someone's gone out and got a, a venereal disease. So I believe vaccines and VD, they're the two V's. They are the two biggest drivers of disease. Vaccines are causing all the neurological disorders, according to Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H. Anyway, we have... If you ever wanted a lesson on how to talk non-stop for an hour, come over to me. <laughs> come over. I can give you a lesson. Four minutes to nine. I should have been out of here an hour ago. Gosh. Anyway, might as well take the news, I suppose, at TNT Radio News. If it's still going, I'll have a listen. You're still going. Steve Hook's on, actually. He's more interesting than me. Go over to see Steve Hook at Reality, not Reality Check Radio. That You go there as well, realitycheck.radio. They're good. He'll be on now. Paul Brennan will be on. He's on till 10, I think. Uh, but if you want interesting 24-hour news, you've got they've got 45 announcers, as far as I know. People like Katie Hopkins, the Aussie Cossack, uh, some other interesting people. That guy from South Africa, what's his name, Germ? He's there. T- but I find he sort of runs out of things to talk about, Germ, a bit like me. But he's all right. He likes it. He doesn't. He can't t- sit there on his own and just talk to people, you know, like I do. He has to have people, you know, to talk with. And that is a bit of an art, you know. Got to sort of got to be slightly mental, I think. Just sort of like talk to yourself and answer your own questions. Here on the farm, I always talk, I'm always continuously talking to myself out loud. I mean, if people crept up on me and listened, 
they would think that he's gone mad. But I'm, you know, it's all practice, isn't it? Just practice. You've got to be able to jibber jabber, don't you, when you're on the wireless? Because you know they taught us back in the radio days. <laughs> they said silence is not golden ground. There's two things they start with: s silence and swearing. We won't have either of it on the channel. If we hear it, you'll fire. You're fired. Not probably silence. They'll let you get away with that. But swearing, not allowed to swear on the radio. And you're not allowed to sip tea and stuff like that. You've got to, and not allowed to cough. You've got to push the microphone like, got to go like this, <gasps> like that. Got to cough with the microphone off. Things like that. Anyway, so there we are. So what have we learned today? We've learned that the new versions are corrupted, and we learned it from one verse that non-Christians absolutely laugh. The atheists just say, "What? Babies aren't born sinful. You guys are mentally deranged." Well, they, you believe that because that's what people have taught you that. And where did they learn that? They learned it from Augustine. Where did he learn that? From the corrupt texts from Alexandria, Egypt, which have crept their way since 1881 into the new new um, New Testament. And all those Bibles come up with words like that. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. NIV, Psalms 51.5. King James Bible doesn't say anything of the sort. It says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Nothing about the baby. David wasn't a sinner. And that's why, as I said before, Jesus said, Suffer little children to come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. All little children go to heaven. That's why when David was punished by David and Bathsheba were punished, God took that child. It died. Where is it going to go? Well, the Bible tells us, absent from the body, pleasant from the pleasant present with the Lord. And David said, He won't return to me. This is after he found out he got news because he was weeping, wailing, and you know praying to the Lord to you know save the child. And then when he found out the child was dead, he he actually just got washed himself, put on some clean clothes, and they said, "Why are you happy now?" He said, "Well, because I know that that baby won't be returning to me, but I will be going to be with it." So we know all little babies go to heaven. Don't have to be christened. That's just a Roman Catholic rubbish to get to. You, what do you have to do when you want the priest to to do a mass or something like that or whatever you have to pay the money yeah it is there's always just follow the money with the catholic church i mean you know why they're so pissed off with england during the reformation because they not only lost all those churches to uh, and they became anglican the roman catholic churches they were before um whenever it was henry but they had the reformation was going on long before then way before i mean people say it was you know the catholics teach the kids in the convents they say the the reformation started with king henry the eighth who wanted to marry his divorce his wife and marry someone else and the, and the pope wouldn't give it to him that's just an absolute lie that's not true at all henry was a roman catholic he started the roman catholic church of england but it was the reformers the Ref- reformation started long before then and started with um people like martin luther and in Europe, but the English Reformation started probably in the 15th century, well before Henry VIII, you know, 1400s. Um, they were Roman Catholics and they came out, they protested against the pretensions of the Roman Catholic system of religion. That's what Protestant means, it means to protest. They were protesting Rome. Martin Luther, when he nailed his 95 Thesis up on the door of a Gutenberg church, what did he do? He was protesting. Because he'd read the book of Romans and said, hang on, this isn't right. It says here, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that uh, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
That's what it says. And that's not what the Catholic Church teach. They teach you've got to be christened, sacrament number one, and the six other sacraments, the seven sacraments of the church, you've got to keep the Mass, you've got to keep sacrificing Jesus over and over again in the Mass. Where did that come from? came from Babylonian um, goddess worship. That's where that came from, that wafer. And if you want to know more about that, I'm sure you'll be able to find this book online. It's written by, um, what's his name, um, Dr., um, Dr. Alexander Hislop. I think he's a doctor. Alexander Hislop, and it's called The Two Babylons. And it basically shows you that the Roman Catholic Church papal worship that's what it is, is actually really um, the worship of Nimrod and his wife Simiramis and their son Tammuz. T for Tammuz. Had not the crosses they were wearing, before Christ they were wearing crosses. During the Spanish Inquisition, when they went over, oh, we're going to talk right past the news. I'll just go to the news and come back. Ship in the Red Sea. The Israeli Defense Ministry called the detention of the vessel an incident of global scale. Meanwhile, the office of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu blamed Iran for the incident. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. Now, in case you missed it, what happened in the Red Sea just a few days ago is a game changer. Ansar Allah, which is known as the Houthis in the Western media, this is the Yemeni resistance. They represent the government in Sana'a. They have fought the Saudi Arabians and the United States for nine years in a dirty war of attrition waged against Yemen to try to weaken the country and partition it, but it didn't work. The Yemenis fought back, and now they're really striking back, this time against Israel. They have seen a massive cargo ship in the Red Sea with a helicopter and a special ops team. The Houthis have their own Navy SEALs team now, and they've just seized an Israeli boat owned by an Israeli billionaire named Rami Ungar, and who happens to be the best friends of the Israeli defense minister as well. Could there be weapons on board? Well, we'll find out. Yemen's got control of this ship now. This is a game changer geopolitically, and they're doing so on behalf of the Palestinians for TNT Radio. This is Patrick Henningsen. Oh, well, if they're against the Jews, they must be right, eh, Patrick? You anti-Semite, you horrible man, you. We got a little bit of news, didn't we? <laughs> Four minutes past nine, we'll be back with Weird in a minute. Turn off the seatbelt sign so you can move about the cabin. Oh, where are you from? Oh, uh, a little town called New Braunfels. Uh, you probably never no heard... No kidding. I spent five years in New Braunfels. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, best years of my life. Had my gallbladder out there. What? Had my gallbladder out at the hospital there. Oh. What'd you call it? Uh, McKenna. Right, McKenna Memorial Hospital. Yeah. Great place. You have your gallbladder out there? Uh, no. What, you went somewhere else? No, no, I've never had my gallbladder out. Tonsils? No. Appendix? No. Heart? What, have I had my heart out at McKenna? No, no. I mean, have you ever had any sort of heart procedure there? Oh, uh, uh, no. Because I heard McKenna's new cardiac center has a terrific reputation for heart diagnosis and treatment. Well, no, I, I've never had any heart trouble. Oh, too bad. Excuse me? Well, I mean, a guy lives in New Braunfels and never has a chance to take advantage of a great medical facility like McKenna? Yeah, well, yeah, I guess I've been lucky. I've never had to. <laughs> well, I suppose that's one way to look at it. Now there's even more reason to choose the hospital that's close to home. New services, state-of-the-art equipment, and a brand new wing. All at McKenna Memorial Hospital. McKenna, where caring is a sign. For great-looking t-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at TNTradio.live. All right, I advise you to get over to TNTradio.live, and you can hear Steve Hook. He's on now. He's a great guy. I don't know how he tolerates that uh, Patrick Henningsen. Uh, also, here in New Zealand, you've, uh, for the next 55 minutes, you'll be able to catch uh, RCR Radio. That's uh, You can find them at RCR, that's Reality Check Radio, uh, dot, yeah, I think it's just RealityCheck.com. 
Radio. They've got their own app. Brilliant. Okay, let's look at the extremes for New Zealand. Timaru's the hottest place right now, just uh, six minutes past nine. 22.1 degrees already in Timaru. Nugget Point is quite cold. It's 11.3. They say it's the lowest, but I say Stewart Island because it's stuck on nine. Maybe it's just stuck on nine. It's been nine for three hours, so maybe there's a problem there. The windiest place is in Vicargo. It's almost 50 kilometres per hour. What's that? About 30 knots blowing through there. Dunedin is a little bit wetter now. Uh, 0.8 millimetres per rain per hour. Temperatures right across the country are right up there already. Wowee, yeah, it's nothing much under 13 degrees actually. The average is probably around about 16 degrees right now, uh, 7 minutes past 9. Let's move over to Weather Watch with uh, Duncan. I think that's his name, Duncan. Somebody's got a Duncan in it anyway. Uh, he looks quite nice. I have to find out what his real name is. It's Duncan somebody or it could be somebody Duncan. Not sure. Let's look at the situation. First of all, we've got a front that's moving and uh, pushing north over the South Island today, bringing rain. Warm weather too before the change moves in tomorrow. It's going to be a bit colder, mainly uh, settled in the North Island with a few isolated showers this afternoon. For Northland and uh, the Bay of Plenty also, it's going going to be coming heavy as well. Could be heavy. Uh, For Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Waitomo and... uh, Waitomo? No, just Waikato and the Bay of Plenty. Morning cloud breaks to some. Isolated showers developing in the afternoon for Northland and the Bay of Plenty. Showers from Bay of Plenty may become heavy in the ranges with thunder then clearing later on in the day. Winds from the west and also the southwest tending northerly in the afternoon in easterly areas. West to southwest wind with wind are putting through to Easterlies in the evening. 21 to 23 degrees is your expected high. For central and western North Island, morning cloud, then sun and high cloud. Northwesterly winds. Showers overnight and perhaps around dawn on Friday it's going to be a southerly change. Today it's going to be 22 degrees and possibly 19 to 22, somewhere around there, probably 20 degrees. East, depending where you're standing. Eastern North Island, uh, you've got uh, mostly drizzle this morning and uh, a bit of cloud there for Gisborne. Cloud breaks by midday though, which is good, isn't it? So not not another three hours and it'll, it'll, the sun will break up all the cloud. Um, you can expect sun with high cloud later on. North to northwest with the wind with overnight rain in Wairarapa. And you've got some southerlies. It's going to change to southerlies and Wairarapa. 22 to 24 for you. Wellington partly cloudy with breezy northerlies overnight. And southerlies bringing rain later on. 22 degrees is your expected high, but probably more like 19. Marlborough in the South Island, also Nelson, mostly sunny today. You've got some high cloud there. You've got northerlies tending west in the afternoon. Overnight southerlies bringing rain to Marlborough. 23 to 28 degrees. It's going to be a scorcher in Nelson. Also, and uh, Blenheim and all through Marlborough. It's just a lovely place. I would have loved to have moved down there. And it's quite hilly. Good though for old people. Keeps you fit walking up and down hills. Uh, you know, keeps the muscles tight around the old bones are starting to rattle in the superstructure. Uh, it's also going to be 23 to 28 degrees in Canterbury as well. Mostly sunny for the Cantabrians today. Uh, warm with some high cloud. Rain pushes from the north later in the afternoon though. Sorry about that. And also into the evening as the northwesterlies change to southerly. For the west coast, mostly cloudy. Heavy rain for Fiordland spreads north in the afternoon. Clearing from the south from evening. Northwesterly winds change to southwesterly winds in the afternoon, reaching Buller in the evening. 
16 to 22 is your range, quite a range there. And finally for Southland and Otago, dry at first and then you can expect some showers. Some rain is going to move in around midday as the northwesterlies change and uh, they push the gusty west to southwesterly winds in. Uh, rain, rain is easing to showers in the afternoon, so, so it's all good. So a bit of a change then that it comes right in the afternoon. And then uh, what have we got? Perhaps it's going to be clearing for a time. Oh, and then the showers are going to beef up and it's going to be raining cows. It says here beefy showers move in. Uh, later in the evening for South and overnight Otago. Perhaps there's also going to be the chance of some hail and even some snow, snow flurries. <sighs> some snow, we've got some snow flurries of snow coming in about 600 metres. And then, so that's the news. News and weather. And, uh, and uh, that's it. Yeah. Bye. Crikey. Or oh, can we say that? No, actually, crikey is actually a swear word. I think it's actually. Um, Jesus Christ in some language so we better not say that That we all say that don't we well not we but some of us do the royal we but we shouldn't be saying that because I think it might be a swear word um, anyway so there we go so that is the news and uh, we're all up and done and dusted and it's just gone 9 o'clock what are we up to now 11 minutes past I think it is yes 11 minutes past 9 so that's my lot I've got nothing more to talk about and I'll, um, we'll carry on tomorrow and see how we go on Friday so Lord willing I will be back with some more news information here brought to you by the Liberty NZ podcast and this podcast will be up online at uh, all of the all of them except for iHeart you can find us if you miss it also it'll be being played again at six o'clock tonight it'll go through from six till nine and uh, that'll be good and I might even play it in the middle of the night just for just for good measure and uh, also we've got some new announcers coming on board Uh, I've got Dennis Hall hoping to have John Ansell with um, the House of Common Sense uh, Lisa Strineski, hopefully she'll be uh, joining us as well. And who else have got? I've got a, I've got a few of them on the boil. Uh, John G, he, um, he's uh, he's going to get organised. Uh, who else have I got there? Got a few other people there. Oh, Justin Pierce, he's very piercing. He's the one that rang up. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Sean Plunkett from the platform. He's rang him up. He's been banned now because he asked too many questions that Sean isn't able to answer. He's very embarrassed. Like the Wright family are actually financing him, <laughs> and they must be Prozac. Pro-vaccine. Prozac. 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 Well, that's good, isn't it? No, pro-vaccine. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, and probably Prozac as well, if the truth be known. When you, oh, I do, tell you what I did see. I saw, um, who was that one now? Piers Morgan. Morgan, he looked very bloodshot when he was interviewing um, that half-wit, that Muslim nut, nutcase. Uh, what's his name? Andrew Tate. Absolute crazy man. You know, he, he, was, he kind of makes sense until he starts talking about Israel. He's just like a nutbag. He wouldn't say, is Hamas, he wouldn't answer the question, yes or no, Piers said, is Hamas a terrorist organization? And he wouldn't answer it. He said, he wanted to answer it professionally. And then Piers says, what, you, well, what, what profession are you in? You know, and he didn't answer that. He just shouted to his outside voice. <laughs> you know, oh, inside voice, please, Andrew Tate. And he's just shouting. And I thought, actually, I'm not particularly fond of Piers Corbyn, but I thought, Morgan, I thought he handled that really well. Actually, he's such patience, but his eyes were bloodshot. So I wonder if he's on. I wonder if he's on the um, not Prozac. What's the one? The court Viagra. You ever heard Soros's interview with sixty minutes where he says, "I see myself as a god." Have you ever seen this uh, interview or, or what he says? No. Really? He said oh. he sees himself as a god. Oh my god! That's the one. This is the one. Uh, I've, okay, right there. It seems that Soros believes he was anointed, anointed by God. I fancied myself as some kind of a God. If truth be known, I carried some rather potent messianic fantasies with me from childhood, 
which I felt I had to control. Otherwise, they might get me in trouble. Whoa. Ask anybody who's from Hungary. Bring up the name Soros. See what they say about him. This guy's manipulated the market currencies. He's like a bad guy in a movie. What difference is there between Arabs who were on this side of the Jordan and the other side of the Jordan? Arabs in the East Bank and the uh, West of the border of the West Bank? I mean, where, when were Palestinians born? What was, all, what was all this area before the First World War? When Britain got the mandate over Palestine, what was Palestine then? Palestine was then the area between the Mediterranean and the Iraqian border. You say there's no such thing as East and West Bank? No. East and West Bank was Palestine. I'm a Palestinian. From 21 until 48, I carried a Palestinian passport. There was no such thing in this area as Jews and Arabs and Palestinians. There were Jews and Arabs. Why is it that when uh, one of the... Hang on a sec. That, so that's Douglas Murray coming up. But that was Golda Meir. She was the Prime Minister of Israel from 1969 until 1974. So she said, I'm a Palestinian. Because back then, after Hadrian, he renamed Israel... He renamed it um, Syria, Philistina, Palestine. And so it was, it was, there's never been a Palestinian state. And so they called it Palestinian passport, but really it, it, it did, it's just an invented term, really. Hadrian invented it to get rid of the Israeli name, hated the Jews. They all hate the Jews. Everyone hates the Jews. And if people could just lose their mind, they just go nuts, you know, because the Jews are involved. I mean, they are the best. The IDF is the most moral army in the world. Uh, they do more to protect citizens, uh, civilian life in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare, according to Colonel Kemp, who basically during the... Um, he's done many, many tours of duty, but you can look up Colonel Kemp, K-E-M-P, and see what he has to say about Israel, about the IDF. Hmm. Okay, so that was um, Golda. And now this is Douglas Murray, and then I'm out of here. I better go. And then we've got some music. We've got Aaron Lewis coming up here. I've got Taylor Swift, Zach Bryan. Um, who else have I got? I've got a new one from a guy called Tyler Farr. And also Mary Jane's popping in with a country biography, and that's going to be around about half past nine. And uh, this time she's doing Sugarland. So we'll find out about that. We'll also have Jelly Roll as well. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, bright and early. Lord willing, don't be late. Why is it that when uh, one of the victims of the music festival, uh, a poor young German-Jewish girl, uh, who it seems was, was raped and then uh, brutally uh, murdered and taken into the Gaza naked, why was it that you can find, and anyone can find this online, uh, a crowd of ordinary Gazans, it wasn't a Hamas, it wasn't a Hamas rally, ordinary Gazans uh, uh, spitting on her body, uh, hitting her body, mutilating her body further as it went down the street. Does that strike you, Piers, as a uh, placid population of peacenik types who are just desperately waiting for a two-state solution to be put back on the table for the millionth time in the last 70-something years? It doesn't seem like that to me. No, but there are over two million people in Gaza, and there weren't two million people in that video clip. There were a few hundred. So I, I don't like to make... Yeah, well, a few hundred at random. A few hundred at random. And did you see anyone in it saying, hey, guys, stop? Just relax and listen to the radio. Mm -hmm.